Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of CityWalk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with CityWalk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search CityWalk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. All right. Well, as I, as I said earlier, this was a real special week uh, as we got a chance to hold sports camp in San Brennan Park. Our friends at home court uh, allowed us to use their facility on Thursday. Super thankful for Nabil and uh, Shamir and just their, their willingness to do that for us. And so we, we had such a great time uh, this uh, week. And, and part of what made this week so great is the 50 plus volunteers that, man, served and just poured themselves out and, and served children. Uh, my role, I, I had the distinct role this week of being the water boy uh, at, at camp. And that was an important role this week. And so my, my role was I was to fill the big jugs of water in the morning, and I did it at my house and tried to make sure there wasn't too much grass in the water because I wanted kids to have good water. I was to, had to go get ice. So really important stuff. Like I had to go to school for this for years to, to make sure I did this well. So, so go get the water, get the cups, make sure it was out there. And then at the end of the day, I had to go home and man, take those things, empty them, get them dried out for the next day. And, and on Tuesday, when I went home, I was... My family, we were getting home, and, and uh, I said, I'll, I'll, let me finish unloading the stuff and getting it ready for tomorrow. And, and my family, my girls, and my wife went in. And, and then my daughter, Kate, who's eight years old, she'll be actually nine in a few days, she came out and said what you don't want your little girl to say before you walk in the house. She said, Dad, you're not going to like what you see when you get inside. So that means a lot of things and can mean a lot of things. Well, right now we have puppies in our house. We have dogs. So I'm wondering, like, what am I about to walk into? And as I walked into our house, I noticed that our Bernadoodle Opal had decided that the trash can, she didn't like the trash where it was in the trash can. So she decided it would be better to scatter all the trash in the trash can on our couch. So there were chewed up plates. There was uh, old food, and the best part was there was thousands of coffee grounds all over our couch. And you know it was bad because my wife, Lori, who thinks Opal is the fourth member of the Trinity, she actually got mad as well at, at, this, at this dog. I mean, and it was one of those moments, and if you have pets, you've uh, had this experience probably, where you literally, as you're kind of cleaning this stuff up, you wonder, what in the world was this dog thinking when it did this? Like, like what got into this dog? What was going through its head and heart to make it think that this is a good thing to do? And if you don't have pets, and maybe you don't, maybe you've never had that wonderful experience of coming home to a trash pile in your house, you have probably thought the same thing about your children if you have children. Hopefully they've never done that to your couch, but you probably have asked that same question. If you're a parent, you've wondered at different times in your kids kind of growing up, 
what was going on in their head? What, what's going on on the inside to have them do that or make that decision? What, what were they thinking in this scenario? I know my dad, I remember as a kid, uh, my dad took me and my brother Matt, who I was the oldest, Matt's two years younger than me, and he, and he just he took us to the post office one day. And he parked, you know, really close to the post office and, and uh, you know, kind of in the front row. And, and uh, the front of the post office was all glass. So he was going to go mail something. And there was a, sh- a short line. And, but when he went in, I mean, it was, we're like 25 feet from him. He could see because there was, you know, glass there. And, and everybody else could see as well uh, what was going on in our car. And, and for some reason, my brother and I just decided to duke it out in the car. I don't know what the what started it. It probably wasn't a good reason, but we just started duking it out like 25 feet from my dad and the line of people that are just staring at us. And it was one of those moments that I'm sure my dad wanted to just walk by the car and pretend we weren't his kids because every, everybody was looking at us and and everybody was wondering, don't those boys know that we can see them? And, and, and man, what, what, are, what is causing them to act this way? What, what is going on? Like, do they not get embarrassed? Do they have parents? Like, what is going on with these kids that makes them think just duking it out in front of everybody is a great thing to do? And, and whether you have pets or whether you have energetic little boys, you know this, that bad behavior, disagreements, fighting, treating others disrespectfully isn't just something that bored dogs and energetic little boys do. Uh, in fact, you, you've probably seen, and it, and it takes place whether you've seen it or not, the, the same type of things, a little more maybe dignified versions of them take place in families, takes place in workplaces, takes place even in the church quite often. And, and we get this. We, that's not a surprise to us because at some point in our life, we've hurt other people and other people have hurt us. We've had disagreements. We've been the cause of the chaos. And so we get this and, and it's not a surprise to us and it's not even hard for us to admit that. But, but here's what maybe the question should be is why does that happen? Like none of us are going to say, yeah, I'm never the cause of a disagreement. I'm never, I never disrespect anybody. I'm never selfish. I never treat anybody. Yeah, we've all done that and we've all had that done to us. But the question is why? Like why do we fight? Why do we treat others disrespectfully? Why do we treat others selfishly? And this is something that's not obviously new to our generation, but it's been going on since the beginning of the world. And over this past few weeks, we've been walking through a letter that James, who was Jesus's half-brother, wrote to a group of people, and, and he addressed a lot of issues, and this is one of the issues that he addressed. And, and James, if you, if you don't want to get offended, and if you don't like straightforward conversation, then you probably shouldn't read James's letter, because James was the type of guy that just, he just shot straight. He, he probably, Jesus probably, when they were growing up, was like, dude, be a little bit softer. You need to be a little bit nicer. You know, sandwich that with two compliments, buddy. Uh, because he, he wasn't that type of guy. He just kind of said it like it was. And, and so he talks about what is the source? Why does this stuff happen? And he starts this kind of conversation by asking a simple question that you probably ask a lot of different times. And, and here's how he started. In James chapter 4, 
verse 1, James says this. He says, what is the source of wars and fights among us? James, he's, he's talking to people that have been scattered throughout the world because of persecution. People that probably all kind of started in Jerusalem, but because of religious persecution, they had scattered around the world. Most of them probably claimed to be a follower of Jesus. And so he's, he's writing to these people and he's asking them, he says, hey, wh where's the conflict coming from? Where's the personal disputes that are going on? Where, where's this coming from? And, and these people had dealt with a lot of conflict. In fact, James had written about it throughout his letter. There was, there was conflict between classes. So James talked about partiality, where rich people were treating poor people differently, and there was conflict. There was conflict with employers and employees where employees weren't getting what they were told they were going to get. And there was some conflict. There was conflict in the church. There was personal disputes. And James, he asked a, a really good question as he begins, a question that is as relevant today as when he, when he wrote it. His question is, hey, what's the cause of conflict among you? Like, why do you treat people the way you treat them? And, and, and you know this, anytime we're asked that question, whether we're five or whether we're 85, usually that question puts up some, some defense. So, so you go, if, for instance, I hope this hasn't happened, but if there was two little boys out there and they were kind of having a little, a little fight and they were arguing, and if one of our city kids leaders came up and said, hey, why are you guys fighting? Their, their automatic response is going to be an excuse or, hey, let me point out the other person's fault. And that's what's normal. And, and let's not put it on them because, man, when we, we get asked that same question, man, it, it's very easy and it's almost natural to point to other people, to point to our culture, maybe our upbringing, and, and kind of the list goes on. And, and you know, what, what's causing the dispute? Why are you treating them that way? And, and it's very easy to say, oh, it's because of what's going on in the culture. It's because of, you know, it's their fault. And it's just easy to do that. And so James, as he starts this, he, he starts by saying, hey, okay, I want you to think about what's causing this. And then because he's writing a letter and he's not having a conversation, he actually answers his own question. He says, what's causing the wars, the disputes, the fights? And he says this. He answers this question by saying, don't they come from your passions that wage war within you? So, so where does disputes come from? Why are you treating why, rich people? Why are you treating poor people differently? Why are you not, not doing what you said in your employee and employment agreement? Why are you having these disputes? What, what's the problem? And he says, the, the reason is because of the passions that are waging war within you. And, and this word passions basically is the idea of a desire for pleasure. It's the hedonism. It's making pleasure God. It's making pleasure the ultimate aim of life. And, and so James is saying the source of the conflict on the outside is the heart on the inside. In fact, earlier in his letter in James chapter 3, he said it this way. He said, for where there is envy and selfish ambition, things that happen on the inside, there is disorder and every evil practice. And so James, again, he's, 
He's one of these guys, and if you read through his letter, he constantly is pointing to, hey, the reason we are this way on the outside is because of what's going on in the inside. The reason that you're producing fruit like this on the outside is because of what's going on in the inside. It's not by accident. And so he says, why are you fighting? Why are there wars? Why is there conflict? He says, it's because of your passions. It's because of that what's going on in the inside. And he explains it more in verse two. He says this, you desire or want and you don't have. So you murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. Basically what he's saying, he's saying your, your wrong desires that want inside for wrong things, that desire for, for your own passions, that desire for your own pleasure at any cost, that selfishness on the inside, it leads to wrong actions like hatred and covetousness and murder. One way to say it is this, you get what you get because you want what you want. You get what you get on the outside because you want what you want on the inside. And what James does is he, he says, you know what, obvious, it's obvious that this conflict and this heart issue is, is affecting human relationships. He's, he talks about that, and that's, that's pretty obvious. But then in the next section, what he does is he says, let me tell you how it also affects your interaction with God. See, sometimes we, we can kind of play it off like, you know what, it's, it's not that big of a deal. And oh yeah, me and God are good. And James says, you know what, when, when something wrong is happening on the inside and you're treating people in a not loving way and there's conflict, you're not good with God. So, and and he, he talks about it. He, he says this, you do not have because you do not ask. He, he's basically saying, hey, God's listening to you and, and if if you have a close relationship with him, the desires you have, the needs you have, man, God is listening. God wants to meet your needs. But he says this, he says, but you ask and don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. See, these people that James was writing to, and, and I mean, again, this is as applicable today as it was then, we're almost treating God as this kind of cosmic vending machine in the sky. Like God's my personal genie that if, man, if I like rub the lamp the right way, he's, he's automatically going to give me what I want. If I, that cosmic vending machine, if I put my money in and I press the right button, he's automatically going to give me what I want. And James is saying, man, you guys are confused. You're, you have these issues in your heart that are causing disputes and it's causing some ugliness on the outside and your relationship with God is being, it's not good because of it. I mean, basically James is saying, man, your motives, they're all jacked up. God is not going to give you something good that you're going to squander away and use for the wrong reasons. The writer of Psalms 66, he, he kind of takes it a step further and he says it this way. If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. This verse, it, it, it's one of those verses in the scripture that, man, it, I think about this verse a lot. That, man, 
the writer saying basically, hey, if there's a lot of craziness going on in your heart and there's sin in your heart and there's ugliness, you really think God's like, you're connected with God? And the writer's saying, no, 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 no. What's happening in your heart not only affects your relationship with other people, but it has ramifications on your intimacy and closeness to God. Maybe we'd say it this way, the posture of my heart impacts the power of my prayers. And like I said, I I think about this a lot. Like when I sit down in the morning and I spend time praying for different people in my life that I love dearly, man, I'm, I'm crying out to God and I'm wanting God to act. And I would hate that, man, sin in my own heart would stop God from acting. And the people that James was writing to, they had this thing kind of messed up where they thought they could kind of play both sides of the fence. And James is saying, you might think that's working, but it's not. It's not working. And James, like I said, he's not one to beat around the bush. And so he just says it pretty straightforwardly in this next phrase. You're like, okay, James. He says this, you adulterous people. Like, James, bro, I thought we were good. What? That's pretty strong. And basically what James is saying is, man, you are, you're, you're spiritually unfaithful to God. You're, you're trying to play both sides of the fence. You're, you're trying to act like you're good with God when you got all this mess in your heart and you're treating people in an unloving way. And yeah, you go to church on Sunday, but you treat the guy at work so terrible all week. That's, that's not good. God's not good with that. And James, he says, man, you're being spiritually unfaithful. And he goes on and he kind of explains it. He says, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility? That's a pretty strong word with God, toward God. And again, he's not saying like being friends with people in the world, but he's basically saying, hey, you can't like grab onto the world system and also grab on to God and what he wants to do. Like, you, if you grab on to one, you can't grab on to the other. That's, you just can't do that. It's just like you, adultery. That, you, you can't like have both women or both men. It just doesn't really work out. I mean, you, you can't go out on Friday night with Jenny and come home to your wife on Saturday morning and have a great relationship with her. It just doesn't work. And he goes on, he says, so... Whoever wants to be the friend of the world becomes the enemy of God. And again, like I said, James was, he probably didn't get the mercy award in in preschool. He was like, he just told it like it was like, I only have, you know, so much to write. So I'm just going to use every word pretty straightforwardly. But, but here's what he's saying, and I think this is one of the lies that we believe. And, and maybe you may not be a follower of Jesus, but one of the lies that followers of Jesus believe is that there's a middle ground. See, there's no middle ground. See, the enemy, one of his lies is that, yeah, you can kind of play the middle. You can kind of be good with God, and you can also kind of be you know, good with the world. You can kind of play both sides and kind of just hang out in the middle. But here's the lie the enemy hasn't told you. He owns the middle. The middle is his. So he's like, you hang out in the middle all you want, buddy. Yeah, you, you play both sides. But what he hasn't told us is the middle ground is his ground. 
See, it's, you're either giving God a hug or the finger. There's no like, oh, I'm in the middle. But, but, the, but the, the evil one, the enemy, he, he wants us to think, man, we can just kind of hang out in the middle and do a little bit of this and have a little worship time with God and then go treat my coworker terribly the next day and then gossip about this person, but then catch a Bible study on Tuesday night. It's just, there's, not, there's no middle. You're, you're either a friend of the world or a friend of God. And James, he just wants you to know which side you're really on. So he's pretty straightforward about this. He says, or do you think it's without reason that the scripture says the spirit he made to dwell in us envies intensely? And here's what he's saying. If you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in you. And the Holy Spirit deeply desires you to not have a divided allegiance. It deeply desires and works towards you being faithful to God. That's why if you're a follower of Jesus, you've experienced this. You've experienced times in your life where maybe your heart was a mess. And you, in the midst of making some bad decisions, you felt uncomfortable. You felt convicted. Almost like there was a war going on inside you because there was. Because the Holy Spirit lives inside those that are followers of Jesus. And he deeply desires that we follow Jesus. He knows that's what's best for us. And so when we don't, we, he works in our hearts. And James, after he has, has kind of been really straightforward and he's said some really hard things, he says a statement that might be the greatest statement in the entire Bible. He says this, but he gives greater grace. Spiritually unfaithful. Ugliness in your heart that's leading you to treat people badly and have disputes. And he's, man, he's called it like it is and he's, he's dealt with it straightforwardly, but he gives such hope because he says this, but he gives greater grace, greater grace than the enemy, greater grace than the power of sin. Jesus provides greater grace than what the enemy can, can do. And he says this, therefore, he says, God resists the proud. The word resist, it's, it's a military term that, that actually, it actually means to rage and battle against. God rages in battle against the proud. Those that, that, that say, you know what, I don't have heart issues. I've got it all together. Those that pretend with, that, that things are going great when they're really not. People that are proud. He says, God resists. He rages against in battle the proud. But he gives grace, which is unearned favor to the humble. To those that are willing to say, you know what? I do have a heart problem. You know what? The way I treat my wife isn't right. You know what? I do have a problem with this. Yes, God, I'm struggling in this area. James says, see, when we're in that posture, there's so much grace you you can't even measure it. And and haven't you experienced that? I I know I have. Where, Where I've been struggling with maybe sin in my life, 
And I've, because of pride, not wanted to admit it, not wanted to talk to somebody about it. And it's just like this, oh, it's just this terrible feeling. But when I get to a spot where I'm willing to admit I struggle, it's almost like immediately. And it doesn't mean that the, the consequences don't go away or, or that it's all fixed tomorrow. But when I am willing to admit I am struggling with this, it's almost like a weight's lifted off your shoulder. And, and that's what he's saying. He's saying God gives greater grace. He, he resists those who are proud, but he gives grace, unearned favor to the humble. See, a heart of conflict is cured with a heart of humility. The writer of Proverbs said it this way in Proverbs chapter 3. He, he said, the Lord mocks the mockers, but is gracious to the humble. James goes on as he kind of finishes this section, and, and he says it this way. He says, therefore, so he's basically saying, because of all that I just said, because God gives greater grace, because God, is, he wants to lean into you if you're being humble, because you have the Holy Spirit living inside you that wants you to, man, not be in the middle, but to follow God. Because of this, therefore, submit to God. This idea of submit means to place yourself under. It's basically saying, God, your way is best. Submit to God. Resist the devil. See, after we submit to God, we actively resist the devil. We stand against the devil. And, and the scripture says this, and he will flee from you. He says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. It's this idea of pursuing intimacy with God. As we pursue intimacy with God, as we put ourselves under his plan and, and say, your plan is best, he says, man, when, when we do that, God is drawing near to us. He says, cleanse your hands, sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. This idea of double-minded is a little bit here, a little bit here. He said, don't be double-minded anymore. And then he says something that's kind of interesting. And you're like, what are, you, what are you saying here, James? He says, be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. It's like, James, God bless you too, buddy. Like, what, what, what are you saying? And here's basically what he's saying. He's saying that the sin in your heart, the thing that's keeping you from intimacy with God, it's ugly. It's not to be taken lightly. It, it, it should bother you because sin kills things. It kills relationships. It destroys it's what sent Jesus to the cross. And so he's saying, hey, don't take it lightly. It should bother you. It should, you should mourn over your sin. It's, it's, it's a big deal. It's not, oh, yeah, I just treated that person terribly. But you know what? Grace, I got grace, so I'm good. No, it should bother me. There, that should, there should be something in me that's like, that's not okay. It should make me sad that I would do that. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, man, don't take sin lightly. And then he kind of closes this section by just kind of wrapping it all up and maybe, maybe kind of tying it all together with this, this last statement. He says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. 
He's, he's saying, instead of allowing my, my wrong desires to dictate how I treat people and, and how I live and what's going on in my life, James calls us, he says, what if you humbled yourself? You, you trusted that God's way was best. And instead of striving and trying to put yourself always out there and push the other person down so you could be lifted up, what if you humbled yourself and just trusted that God would lift you up? He would exalt you. He would take care of things. He calls us to that. Whether you're a person of faith, maybe you're watching online, whether you're a person of faith or not, maybe you're somebody that's kind of investigating faith. You're not sure what you believe and it really doesn't matter where you are because we, we all feel, have felt this. And here's what I mean. Every one of us, no matter where we are in our faith, has, has come to a spot where we've asked ourselves this question. Why did I treat them that way? Man, why did I hurt them? Or, or maybe man, you'd, you'd say this way. Man, why did I do that again? Or, I, I wish I wouldn't have. And, and it's in these moments that our society and even our flesh encourages us to find someone or something to blame. When we, when we do something that bothers us and we know we've hurt somebody and we know that the ugliness in our heart has shown out in our life, our culture and even our own flesh, instead of owning that and dealing with our heart, our culture and our flesh tell us, man, find somebody or something to blame. Because it can't be your fault that you treated your wife that way. It can't be your fault that you gossip or that you're a thief. It can't be your fault that you're addicted to porn. It's somebody else's fault. It's the culture. And James, is, he's, he's writing to us. He's saying, you know what? It, it's not. But, but here's the thing. There's going to be a lot of people that will go to their grave blaming the world and never experiencing victory in their life. The question is, will you or I be that person? See, James' message to us today, it's not, it's not a warm and fuzzy message. He, he's not like, hey, sit, let's sit down with a really fluffy blanket and here's your hot cocoa with marshmallows and let's have a little chat. No, he's pretty straightforward today. But, but he's straightforward because he knows what he's saying to, to the people that he was writing to and, and even to us today, it has the potential if we really grab onto it and, and we don't deflect blame and find another reason why this has happened. If we really own what James is saying, it has the potential to change our lives. It, it can change and improve the health of our relationships with other people and our relationship with God. It can give us victory over some sin that maybe we've been struggling with, some addictions that we have been fighting for a long time. And he tells us this because this can be a big help. And how there's a few things. Let me give you three things. Kind of application. First thing is this. Man, if we're going to be someone that takes what James is saying and really kind of puts it in shoe leather and applies it, First thing that maybe we need to think about is this idea of being honest about your heart. Man, I have a heart problem. And so do you. If you're watching online, you have a heart problem. The reason I treat others bad, the reason I 
sometimes have unhealthy disagreements, the, the reason that people have different addictions, the reason that, that people cheat or God, the reason it's, it's not because of something out there, it's because of something in here. And, and if we're not willing to just start by owning that, it, you know, just do what you can do and try to do your best the rest of your life, but it's going to be rough. But, but James says that this step is, man, we got to own it. We got to own the fact that, man, I am selfish. I have a jaded perspective on what I really need. I want unhealthy things. Like, we just have to own that. That, man, in and of ourselves, we have some issues on the inside. And that's okay. That's why Jesus came. If we didn't have issues on the inside and we could fix ourselves then Jesus didn't need to waste his time because we would have been good. But that's why he came. And so we start by just being honest about our heart. The second thing is we, as James says, we submit to God. It's this idea of humbling ourselves and placing ourselves under God's authority, that, that knowing and really trusting that, God, your way is good, your way is best. And so, man, I'm going to submit myself to you. I can't fix myself. So I'm going to submit myself to you. And then he says, kind of the third step is this idea of resisting the enemy. We, we resist the enemy by doing what he hates most, pursuing Jesus. We're not a passive participant that just hopes it all kind of does what it needs to do. No, no, we actively pursue Jesus. And that's the way we resist the devil. See, as we take steps, and here's the great thing, as we take steps to resist the devil and we've humbled ourselves, Jesus promises to draw near to us. He promises us to, is us to provide so much grace, all the grace we need to live in victory. Uh, let me illustrate as I close. So if I was to go home today and I was to pull into my, my house and I was to notice that, you know what? My roof is starting to collapse. I didn't see that before I left today. Oh, and I, as I look a little closer, the, the walls are starting to crack. Uh, I open the front door and I notice that the, the, the flooring's starting to break apart. I, at that moment, if I was to walk into that or you were to walk into that, I, I would have a couple choices. I, I could stand out in my yard and I could blame the heat. Man, if it wasn't so hot, it's stinking heat, it's your fault. I could walk over to my neighbor and knock on his door and, and blame his cat. It's your cat, man. If your cat wouldn't come over to my yard, it just all wouldn't have happened. Or I could call a professional, like somebody that knows about construction. I could call somebody that could help me with some answers, just like you could. And so hopefully in this case, I would, I would call the person, that the professional, and then that professional would come and and they would take a look at my house, and, and as that professional came over, they would say, man, you know what? Hey, you know, I noticed all the things that are happening, but here's the reason. Your foundation is breaking. You've got a broken foundation. It's, it's a mess, and it's causing all these other things to happen. It's in that moment that I have a second choice. I can be like, well, well thank you for your advice. And I could go paint the house. I could maybe go and cut the yard and edge. I like to have really nice edges on my yard, so you do that. And, you know, I could find a few more people to blame for what's going on. Or I could believe him. 
and do what he says. And in the same way, we have a choice to make. I have a choice to make. You have a choice to make. We know we have issues. If we don't know, just ask your spouse. They'll be honest with you. Uh, we, we know we have issues. We, we, we know the cause, at least what James says the cause is. It's, it's our heart. And so the question is, what are we going to do about it? We, we can pretend it's not there. And, and a lot of people do that. They do that for decades. They just pretend. you got maybe some people in your family that it's just like, they're, they're a train wreck, but they just pretend. And they pretend it's not there. We, we could blame others. I mean, that's easy. There's so many places to blame. It's the Republicans. It's the Democrats. It's this. or You know, we, there's so many people we could blame. Or we could humble ourselves by admitting we have a heart issue. We could submit to God's good plan, and we could resist the evil one. And we could remember that there's, there's no such thing as middle ground. But really, it's, it's up to us. It's up to us as moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and single adults and high schoolers and middle schoolers. It's up to us what we're going to do. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. If you're watching online, just kind of in the quietness of where you're at, with every head bowed and every eye closed, when, when we started City Walk, we, we latched on to a statement, and, and we even put it on a t-shirt. You may have seen it around. And the statement that we latched on to was, no perfect people allowed. See, this is a place where you can be honest before God and others and say, you know what? I don't have it all together. See, the good thing is when we humble ourselves and we're willing to admit that that it's in those moments that Jesus steps in with grace to help. So, so here's my question. With every head bowed and every eye closed, and, and maybe you're watching online, let me, let me ask you a few questions. Where are you struggling? Man, man, what's going on in your life that maybe nobody else knows about? What are you ashamed of? Jesus in this moment, he, he may just be saying, hey, would you be willing to bring that to me? I know it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt your pride a little bit to admit that this is an issue. and It's going to hurt your pride that, to, to admit that, that you have a big part in this dispute with somebody else. It's going to hurt the, your pride. But, but what if you just brought it to Jesus and, and, and trusted that he had a better plan? And that he wanted to move forward with you in victory. If you're here and, and maybe you'd say, man, I am. I'm a follower of Jesus. And I, Chris, I've, I've got some things going on. Maybe people know about it. Maybe people don't. Maybe people would consider it a big deal. Maybe people wouldn't. But you know it's an issue. There's something going on in your heart. Are you willing to just in the quietness of this room, if you're watching online, just right where you're at, you willing to just be honest? Just tell God, God, this is what's going on in my heart. Maybe you don't even know exactly what's going on in your heart, but you know it's not right. And you're just, God, God, I search my heart. I, I know some things are not right. Just tell God. Just tell him. Just in the quietness of this room. 
And then just tell him, man, I, God, I, I want to submit to your plan. Your way's best. I want to submit to your way. And I want to pursue you, Jesus. I, I want to resist the enemy. I want to quit believing the lie that there's this middle ground. And I'm going to pursue you. Knowing that you tell me that when I do that, that you just shower me with grace. That you draw near to me. And Lord, that's what I want. Just tell him. Maybe you're here and you'd say, Chris, I, that's kind of where I'm at. And I just, I want you to pray for me. I, I want some, maybe some people at City Walk to just pray for me. Before you leave, you can fill out that prayer card right in front of you. You can drop that in the offering basket. We won't share it with our church. We'll just pray. Our prayer team will just pray for you. We'd love to pray for you. Maybe you're here and, or you're watching online and you would say, hey, Chris, I don't have a relationship with God. I've never crossed over the line of faith. And really the first step for you is that you would come to a place where you say, Jesus, I want to start a relationship with you. You say, Chris, how would I do that? It's, it's pretty simple. You have to humble yourselves and admit to God that you've disobeyed, that you've tried to do things your own way. You can just tell him that right now in the quietness of your heart. God, I, I've sinned. I've, I've tried to do things my own way and it's just not worked out. Just admit that to God. Then we, you just believe. You just tell God, God, I, I believe that Jesus, your son, came and died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sin. Just tell God that. And then just invite him. Say, Jesus, would you come into my life? Would you make me new on the inside? I want a relationship with you. Just tell him. If you're here or you're watching online and you made that decision or you have questions about that decision, there's a card in front of you called, it just says decision. You can fill that out. If you have questions, you can put those on there. And we'll contact you this week and, and love to answer questions or just rejoice with you on the fact that you became a follower of Jesus. If you're watching online, you can go to citywalk.cc and there's a decision card there. God, I thank you that we don't have to be perfect. In fact, that's why you came. And Lord, you lean into us. You love us in spite of our imperfections. You love us in spite of our messiness. You're not ashamed of us. You, you love us and you desire to have a relationship with us. And we're so thankful. And God, I pray that you would work in our hearts and that whatever you're saying to us today, that we would have the courage to obey you. In Jesus' name, amen.